This is not a normal episode of Those Two Libras. We are participating in the podcast Blackout to protest police brutality and hate crimes against Black people. We will not be putting an ad on this episode. However, in the past week, Natalie and I have both donated to causes that are close to the Black Lives Matter movement, and we encourage you to do the same. If you can't help monetarily, you can sign petitions, read about, or watch videos on racism or protest. There will be links to petitions, places you can donate, and protest location in the description, along with links to podcasts with Black hosts you can listen to to educate yourself further. We will never know the plight of the Black community, but we will continue to amplify Black voices and educate ourselves on how to be anti-racist even after the protests are done and justice has been served, because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Ayana Monet Stanley Jones. Philando Castile. Atatiana Jefferson. Akai Gurley. Megan Hockaday. Tatiana Hardgrove. Stefan Clark. Amantic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr. Amato Dio. Tamir Rice. Trayvon Martin. Freddie Carlos Gray Jr. Jordan Edwards. Jonathan Farrell. Corin Gaines. Alton Sterling. Jamar Clark. Jeremy McDole. Sandra Bland. Laylene Polanco. Tony McDade. Malaysia Booker. Betty Jones. Terrence Crutcher. Oscar Grant. Walter Lamar Scott, Ahmad Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd. Okay, so if you didn't know, those are a few of the names of Black people who have been executed by police in the streets. Um, and this episode is going to be really heavy, so... If you need to take it in sections, that's okay. We understand. This is very heavy. So mm -hmm. we as yeah. white women are acknowledging that people of color, especially black people of color, are discriminated against based on the color of their skin. They're denied jobs and other opportunities, harassed and killed just for being black. We have a platform, and though it may be small, it is our job as white allies to bring attention to these issues. Black people do not need to take on the emotional burden that comes with trying to get white people to understand what they go through while they're just trying to exist. What's going on in our country right now is an atrocity. Among the executions of many black people by police, the murder of George Floyd created an opportunity for the black community to gather and demonstrate their anger. Police in Minneapolis killed an innocent man who was alleged to have written a bad check or used counterfeit, counterfeit bills to pay by kneeling on his neck while he was face down on the ground with his hands in cuffs behind his back. Protests broke out in Minneapolis and other major cities across the country and even the globe, demonstrating that the majority of people are ready to hold police and regular people accountable for their racist actions. In many instances, the protests are peaceful and only become violent after police instigate violence by macing or tear gassing people who are just walking by, shooting rubber bullets at people who have had their hands up, 
or literally running their police vehicles into crowds of protesters. We also acknowledge that although we are only talking about modern events of white supremacy, there is a far, far deeper history of white supremacy, not only in the U.S., but also across the globe. If we were to go over the entire history of white supremacy, the episode would be multiple hours long, and we don't have the capacity to create something like that. We will link to all the sources we use in this episode, and we encourage you to do your own research. White supremacy is the belief that white people are superior to those of all other races, especially the black race, and should therefore dominate society. White supremacy has roots in the now discredited doctrine of scientific racism and often relies on pseudoscientific arguments. Like most similar movements such as neo-Nazism, white supremacists typically oppose members of the other races as well as Jews. The term is also used to describe a political ideology ideology that perpetuates and maintains the social, political, historical, or institutional domination by white people, as evidenced by historical and contemporary socio-political structures such as the Atlantic slave trade, Jim Crow laws in the United States, the set of white Australia uh, policies from the 1890s until the mid-1970s, and apartheid in South Africa. Different forms of white supremacism put forth different conceptions of who is considered white and different groups of white supremacists identify various racial and cultural groups as their primary enemy. Professor Leland T. Saito, I believe that's how you say it, of the University of Southern California writes, throughout the history of the United States, race has been used by whites for legitimizing and creating difference and so and social, economic, and political exclusion. The U.S. was basically built on the idea of white supremacy, from slavery to Jim Jim Crow laws to police brutality. Uh, So first, I'm just going to kind of talk about white supremacy culture. And um, more what I'm talking about is that culture in the United States, though it definitely exists on a global scale, that's for sure. Um, So we'll first start by just discussing what culture is in general. So culture is the knowledge shared by a group of people. Culture is communication and communication is culture. So how we communicate. A culture is a way of life of a group of people, the behaviors, beliefs, values, and symbols that they accept generally without thinking about them and that are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. So basically, culture is collective programming in a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, next, we'll talk about uh, cultural racism. So cultural racism is how the dominant culture is founded upon and then shapes norms, values, beliefs, and standards to advantage white people and oppress people of color. Basically, the dominant culture is able to define reality to advantage white people. And that's certainly the case in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, So cultural racism also uses cultural differences to overtly and covertly assign value and normality to white people and quote unquote whiteness in order to rationalize the unequal status and degrading treatment of people and communities of color. So... What is white supremacy culture? White supremacy culture is the 
idea or ideology that white people and the ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and actions of white people are superior to people of color and their ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and actions, which like we covered earlier. Um, it is an artificial, historically constructed culture which expresses, justifies, and binds together the United States white supremacy system. It's the glue that binds together white controlled institutions into systems and white controlled systems into the global white supremacy system. So like we said, this is a global issue. Um, but for the most part, we're going to be talking about it in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, it is reproduced by all the institutions of our society, in particular, the media, which Maddie's going to go more into more in depth later um, in the podcast. Uh, the education system, Western science, which, as we discussed before, also played a role in reinforcing that ideology, and the Anglo-Christian church have all played central roles in reproducing the ideal of white supremacy. So um, some characteristics of white supremacy culture that are, um, they're not really proactively named, um, but they are damaging, excuse me, and they continue to implicitly promote white supremacy thinking and ideology. So I got these out of um, a book by Kenneth Jones and Tima Okun. Well, I got it from someone who got it from that, but I want to quote the original source. Mm -hmm. um, and that is called Dismantling Racism, a Workbook for uh, Social Change Groups. So the first uh, characteristic is the fallacy of perfectionism. So uh, that can be pointing out how measures that are being taken are inadequate or that little time, energy, or money are put into the reflection or identification of lessons learned that can be used for improvement. And so basically there's just no learning from our mistakes because we have that uh, false sense of perfection. Um, and uh, second is the sense of urgency. So a continued sense of urgency that makes it difficult to take time to be inclusive, encourage democratic and or thoughtful decision making, to think long term or to consider consequences is definitely um, part of what is upholding this ideology. Um, because sacrifices are made upon the interests of communities of color because it's not necessarily what would benefit the norm culture because it would take time to really make those thoughtful decisions. And especially in our culture today, we don't do that. We don't take time. Mm -hmm. um, next is defensiveness, which I think is definitely one that's palpable and that we're seeing a lot right now and we have seen. Uh, so the organizational structure is set up and much energy is spent trying to protect power as it exists, which we know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, people respond to newer challenging ideas with defensiveness, making it very difficult to raise these ideas. Uh, Sorry, the, I just yeeted my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did. It, it, it went flying. Mm. Um, the... Defensiveness of people in power creates oppressive culture. So <laughs> I wrote under this, hello to the president, hello to the police force, hello to the whole American system. Mm -hmm. Well, also just the um, whole idea of all lives matter. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that next. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the next is either or thinking. 
So thinking that things are either or, that they're good or bad, right or wrong, you're with us or you're against us, that is upholding that entirely because it's closely linked to perfectionism and making it difficult to learn from mistakes or accommodate conflict. Um, so there's a wider sense that um, things cannot be both or and. And this is a prime example of um, people's response to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. It's like, well, obviously. Yeah, no obviously. one said that all lives don't matter. It's just that mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. in the yeah, overarching it's... themes of the country, Black lives do not matter right now. Exactly. <laughs> because, so we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can recognize that all lives matter, but there is a group of people are not being treated as such. And yeah. that is why that is what is at the forefront. And yeah. that is where that inability to think that both more than one thing can be true. Mm-hmm. That is continuing to uphold this in a big, big way. Yeah. It's like um, the best way that I've heard this, I guess, broken down or like rationalized, not really rationalized because this is perfectly rational thinking. T- it is. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> try and get pe- people to who say all lives matter. Terms. Yeah. So like if you go to a doctor with a broken arm and the doctor goes, well, all bones matter. I'm that one doesn't need fixing all bones matter. And you're like, Mm -hmm. but my fucking arm is broken. You need to fix it. And he's like, but all "Mm -hmm." bones matter. (laughs) It's like, exactly. It's not getting to the point of anything. You're just Mm -hmm. saying words and not doing stuff. It's and not making them true. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Um, This way of thinking results in trying to simplify complex things. And one of those that we see all the time is the deep roots of American racism and how it influences our everyday life. Like, I remember, as we've covered many times, Maddie and I are from a really conservative town. And I think I may have even mentioned this before on the podcast, but I just vividly remember um someone from our hometown like years ago posting like i'm not the one that whipped your uh great grandparents backs you know so and like (laughs) and it's like oh my god like that if that is your the if you think of things that simply then you're missing the entire point and so Mm -hmm. again thinking um trying to simplify complex things are again, just upholding this ideology. Um, Another example of that is believing that poverty is, you know, simply a result of a lack of education. Mm -hmm. Um, So this also creates for conflict and increases the sense of urgency as people are felt they have to make decisions to do this or that with no time or encouragement to consider alternatives. So um, next is power hoarding. So those with power feel threatened when anyone suggests changes in how things should be done and feel suggestions for change are a reflection on their leadership. The catch-22, though, is that those with power don't see themselves as hoarding power or as feeling threatened. Um, Hence the whole argument um, against white privilege that I haven't gotten anything more than you just because I'm white. I've worked hard for everything I have arguments. Those are a direct result of just the inability to see 
or recognize when you do hold that kind of power mm-hmm. and privilege. Um, um, I think that especially like highlighting like, yes, I understand that your life has been difficult, but it has not been made difficult by the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the whole gist of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then also those with power assume they have the best interests of everyone at heart and assume those wanting change are ill-informed. Mm-hmm. So I see that all the time. Like, well, they didn't, you know, they're just doing their job or just things like that. Assuming that they have the best interests at heart mm-hmm. and um, that that's, that doesn't matter. Basically. Yeah. If you yeah. continue to uphold that, you will continue to again uphold this. So Mm -hmm. Uh, next is fear of open conflict so people in power are scared of conflict and try to ignore it or run from it and then I I put hello to our lovely president hiding in his bunker Mm -hmm. Um, when someone raises an issue that causes discomfort the response is to blame the person for raising the issue rather than to look at the issue which is actually causing the problem Mm -hmm. um And also, this can mean equating the raising of difficult issues with being impolite, rude, or out of line. Um, Like Kaepernick's peaceful protest of kneeling, uh, that was considered so rude and out of line. So unpatriotic. Mm -hmm. When he's he's trying to raise difficult issues. Yeah. Mm Yeah. So then we have objectivity. so the belief that there is such a thing as being objective is uh, holding this in place because um, uh, the belief that emotions are inherently destructive, irrational, uh, and should not play a role in decision-making is basically impossible. So uh, if you believe that you could be objective, then you're kind of discounting um, other people's views and which could enlighten you of different ways to see them Mm -hmm. and last we have right to comfort so the belief that those with power have a right to emotional and psychological comfort uh scapegoating those who cause discomfort like the protesters Mm -hmm. um equating individual acts of unfairness against white people with systemic racism which uh, daily targets people of color. So those are the some of the characteristics. I didn't list all of them, but um, I just felt like those were the ones that uh, kind of make the most sense in in this context. So, but there's obviously many more. Um, so continue to read. Uh, mm-hmm. But also at the end of this, it's uh, they basically said, well, here's what you can do. And so that means recognizing these characteristics for what they are, understanding the link between defensiveness and fear, whether that be losing power, losing face, losing comfort, losing privilege, uh, noticing when people are simplifying complex issues, particularly when the stakes seem high, and slow it down and encourage people to do a deeper analysis. Understand that challenges to leadership can be healthy and productive and be more aware of what good leadership actually looks like. Distinguish between being polite and raising hard issues. 
realize that everybody has a worldview and that everybody's worldview affects the way they understand things. Realize this means you too. Push yourself to sit with discomfort when people are expressing themselves in ways which are not familiar to you. Finally, understand that discomfort is at the root of all growth and learning. Welcome it as much as you can. Deepen your political analysis of racism and oppression so you have a strong understanding of how your personal experience and feelings fit into a larger picture. Don't take everything personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like one thing that's really important to realize. Like, yes, this conversation, the conversation of race and your white and recognizing your white privilege is really uncomfortable. And it's something that I've dealt with. It's something that Natalie has dealt with. Mm -hmm. And um, it is difficult. But at the same time, it needs to be done. Like you need to be uncomfortable. You need to be pushed out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. for real growth and change to happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And Maddie is going to talk about uh, more about the media. Mm -hmm. Because media is obviously a very big part, especially around what's going on right now. Um, but also it has been a part of the white supremacy issue for a long time. Like today I was listening to the podcast 1619 and Mm -hmm. there was a whole episode about music and it kind of went back to the, I guess, original, like, origins of like I guess blackface minstrel groups in the U.S. Um, And it all started from this dude he was a I think his name was T.D. Smith and he was a performer and he was walking down the street one day and he walked by a horse stable of this man who um a white man and there was a black man working in the stable brushing the horse and um the td smith he uh basically took the melody the man was singing he put lyrics to the name and then mm-hmm. he i didn't really understand this part but he did something mm-hmm. with like pork fat and like made it dark somehow and painted his face to be black. Like, yeah. Uh, and this is probably, I don't think it's recorded incidences of one of the first, I guess, reported, not recorded incidents of blackface. Um, and that's sort of kind of the origin story of it. And from there it went to minstrel um, groups going around the country doing blackface regularly and America was just so captivated by it because mm-hmm. in the in the episode they said uh, basically it was the song was saying that the black people were happy being enslaved and working for little to no money um, you know 
And mm-hmm. so let's just not, I urge you to listen to the episode because I did not explain it that well. Well, and that podcast in general is great. Um, yeah. That should be so required. I recommend listening. that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only like six episodes long. Like I mm-hmm. listened to it in one day. I listened to it two day. So it's yeah. not like it's a big project while you're working, while you're driving your car, like yeah, listen to it. Yeah. But so continuing on, uh, white supremacism has been depicted in music videos, feature films, documentaries, journal entries, and on social media. The 1915 silent drama film, The Birth of a Nation, followed the rising racial, economic, political, and geographic tensions leading up to the Emancipation Proclamation and the Southern Reconstruction era that was the genesis of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. David Duke, a former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, believed that the internet was going to create a, quote, chain reaction of racial enlightenment that will shake the world. Mm. Jesse (laughs) Daniels of CUNY Hunter College uh, also said that racist groups see the internet as a way to spread their ideologies, influence others, and gain supporters. With the emergence of Twitter in 2006 and platforms, platforms such as Stormfront, which has, was launched in 1996 as an alt-right portal for white supremacists with similar beliefs, both adults and children, um, it was provided... in which they were given a way to connect. So Stormfront was a way for white supremacists to connect. Daniels discussed the emergence of other social media outlets, such as 4chan and Reddit, which meant that the spread of white nationalist symbols and ideas that could be accelerated and amplified. Sociologist Kathleen Blee notes that the anonymity which the internet provides can make it difficult to track the extent of white supremacist activity in the country. But nevertheless, she and other experts see an increase in the amount of hate crimes and white supremacist violence. In the latest wave of white supremacy in the age of the internet, Blee sees the movement as having primarily become a virtual one in which divisions between groups become blurred. All these various groups get jumbled together as the alt-right and people who have come in for the more traditional neo-Nazi world. We're in a very different world right now. Um, And I guess that kind of just parallels with, um, in the feminism episode, which was the first episode of this season, uh, Mm -hmm. we talked about how this third wave of, or fourth wave of feminism Mm -hmm. is all online now and it's organized online. There's a lot of activism online and same thing is happening with the alt-right and white supremacy slash Mm -hmm. neo-Nazi. You can't really like distinguish between they're all kind of interchangeable. It's all. Yeah. Words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're blurred lines. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, So a series on YouTube hosted by the grandson of Thomas Robb, who is the national director of the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, presents the Klan's ideology in a format aimed at kids, more specifically white kids. Mm -hmm. The short episodes invade 
against race mixing and extol other white supremacist ideologies. A short documentary published by TRT uh, it describes the experience of Imran Garda, I believe that's how you say it, a journalist mm -hmm. of Indian descent who met with Thomas Robb and a traditional KKK group. A sign that greets people who enter the town states diversity is a code for white genocide. Cool. Mm. The KKK Black. group interviewed in the documentary summarizes all its deep, all its, I can read, summarizes its ideals, principles, and beliefs, which are emblematic of white supremacists in the United States. The comic book here, superhero, Captain America, and I, an ironic co-optation that has been used for dog whistle politics by alt-right in college campus recruitment in 2017. Which is great. Just lovely. Yeah. I think we should probably do an episode on like YouTube for kids or kids on YouTube because yes. that's a it's whole so fucked up. It's a whole so nother issue with like the bad animations and stuff like that where mm -hmm. there's like a lot of very vulgar things that traditionally childish They're, they imagery yeah. are it's, it's reframe yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. but yeah mm -hmm. i i'm i'm down okay for sure cool <laughs> So news media organizations play both an active and complicit role in white supremacy by minimizing people of color's voices in news coverage and taking a quote unquote both sides approach like Natalie mentioned uh, to mm -hmm. racist said Crystal Marie Fleming in a lecture at Indiana University, Indiana University, I promise I can mm -hmm. talk in 2018. Um, in her new book, How to Be Less Stupid About Race, she expands on the idea of, quote, racial stupidity, which she defines as the nonsensical, illogical, ahistorical, and inaccurate claims about race and racism. And also, on the note of ahistorical, I would also like to say that, yes, the Civil War was about slavery, <laughs> It literally said yeah. in the articles of the confederacy that it was about fucking slavery so uh -huh. well and also you know a historical we could talk about um how nothing you read in history books is actually historical that has also been filtered yeah um so yeah but that could also be a whole other episode yeah maybe we should do that yeah. Oh my gosh. We're just, okay. We had a brainstorming session of like ideas that we wanted to do and none of these came up. So no. So they're <laughs> happening right now in the middle of this episode. Yes. Because <laughs> this is, this is the content that needs to be spoken. Yes. And again, that just speaks to how deep rooted white supremacy is in mm -hmm. the culture of America. It's not, yes. it's not just like a thing that's happening right now because of social media and stuff like that. It's, it's been happening. So, and it's not just, well, he's just a bad egg. Yeah. No, we all contribute to it. Exactly. Growing up in a foundationally racist society exposes everyone to racial stupidity, either 
in the form of directly racist beliefs or denial or minimizing the perception of a racial oppression mm-hmm. or superficial views on race, such as the ideology commonly expressed as I don't see color. Oh, yes. If you don't see color, you don't see the pattern. That's the issue with I don't see color. Well, there's many issues, but yes. Yes, (laughs) that is one issue. Yeah. Coupled with the fact that many educational institutions don't require critical race courses, Fleming says continuing racial stupidity helps reinforce racism. In her reading of the chapter, Fake Racial News, from her book, she, tr- she ties these overreacting systems of power to the news cycle. The continued coverage of raci- radical racists, she says, has disseminated and popularized the white supremacist dogma. Yeah. Having a few minority writers and anchors to show news institution as non-racist supposedly counteracts this normalization. But she said that does not that it does not undermine the neglect of minority voices in coverage and the overcoverage of problems based on minorities. Mm-hmm. But as with individual people, white-dominated institutions have been more interested in appearing non-racist than admitting their complicity mm-hmm. in racism. She said. Moving past the system, this systemic racial bias in mass media, she said, relies on thorough power analysis and historical awareness. That conscientious effort requires an honest evaluation of the role the media have played in continuing systems of oppression. Coddling and normalizing bigots as, is as American as apple pie. And the media, it too has a very long history of aiding and abetting white supremacy. Mm-hmm. which is a quote from Fleming. So, yeah. I mean, that last statement, even, I mean, it's exactly why Trump got elected president. It's yeah. because they started coddling him and his ridiculousness of running for president. And then it mm-hmm. became normalized. And then all that shit, I mean, well, not that it hadn't been normalized in the media, but the thought of it's just desensitization. And yeah. um Yeah. So, and it's done that not only with that issue, but so many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I did want to point out is um, in the media, I have only seen clips. I don't consume like mainstream media. I don't watch the news. I get most of my news from articles on line basically um and like twitter and also um the philip defranco show which is a pretty like neutral like place to get your news um Mm -hmm. and from the clips that i've seen of like mainstream news reporting on this is it's all they're all talking about the looters and how trying to invalidate the protesters because of these people who are looting. And in most of the cases, the people who are looting are not even associated with the larger protest. And it's not the larger protest that's doing it. Like, for example, here in Albuquerque, I believe on Sunday, there was a peaceful protest that walked, um, 
all from like central, like where you where the UNM is all the way down to downtown. And that ended like, you know, before it got dark and sometime around midnight, some people went and vandalized the historic chemo theater and other small businesses Mm -hmm. around, um, downtown and everyone was like, what this is not a peaceful protest and it's like actually it was a peaceful protest those people were not associated with it and also Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're not reporting on how cops the looting it started yeah how Mm -hmm. how the looting it started because some and on some reports are saying that it's undercover cops or off-duty cops starting the looting to again Mm -hmm. invalidate the point of the protest. Um, but also they're talking about these violent like altercations between the police and protesters. And they're not saying that it was started by police. By the police. Yeah. No. And I, I was actually, I pulled up this tweet because it's exactly what you're saying, but mm-hmm. this woman on Twitter said, uh, it's Ashley Nicole Black. She tweeted it and she mm-hmm. said, I keep seeing news anchors say it's unfortunate that the looters are taking attention away from the real issues while they, the media talk about looting instead of the real issues. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then as a comment, she said, and if you're going to talk about it, it seems like a real lack of nuance to not mention that they are happening in the context of record unemployment numbers. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, go, go ahead, Maddie. And I've seen like a lot of, like videos in these like larger cities in like alleyways of people filming from their apartment or something like that where there's cops unloading pallets of bricks and leaving them there for just to plant and say like oh these people yeah they're dangerous they're looting and they're destroying their communities and stuff like that and another tweet that I, I don't have pulled up, but is, has been very fresh on my mind um, is um, black people have the right to destroy shit yeah. that they built for free. <laughs> for real. And also in a, in a world in which all we value are material things and surface level appearances why would it not be a form of protest to destroy those that materialism? That's, yeah. That's like A plus B equals C. Yeah, so exactly. It, yeah, even even the the uh, looting that's happening out of the strong emotion, that's an expression of emotion. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've also seen a lot of people on particularly on Facebook because that's where most of the people that I've like yeah. am still friends with who are like conservative um mm-hmm. a lot of them are like <clears throat> oh like this is not a, a peace a non-peaceful protest isn't protest and like this is not this like protesting like this completely invalidates your point and stuff like that but literally America was was built on protest, violent protest. Party. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
literally the entire fucking American revolution. Hello? Violent protest against a tyrannical government. Like Uh a government that the president shoots people, unloads mm -hmm. pellets on groups of people for a photo op holding a Bible. In front of a boarded up church. In (laughs) front of, yeah. And Oh man, there's just so many things. I there is. So yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe we should in an effort to keep things succinct, maybe call it good here and maybe we can do like a mini sode or something. Yeah. Of like maybe we can just have a dialogue or something. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I but, agree. I Yeah. I like that. Um we are not going to do our regular plugs at the end because that would be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Just like at the beginning of this episode, we didn't start with our welcome and I'm not going to put the um, theme song in. I'm not going to put the outro song in. Mm-hmm. Um, but please, we urge you to go to our um, Instagram page and I guess we'll post it on Facebook too. Um, since that some mm-hmm. people are also, um, more on Facebook than Instagram. Um, but we will post sources for petitions. You can sign places. You can donate, um, people you can call, um, to talk and like get this injustice, these injustices heard and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We will put it on the Instagram for the show, for the podcast, but um, it's also on my uh, personal Instagram page. I have a, I have highlights that are labeled BLM, um, and there are. I've been. I feel kind of bad because I feel like I'm kind of like overwhelming people with so much information. But I posted like over 120 stories. Oh wow! On, like everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I will try and go through, I will, I'm not going to try. I will go through all of the things that I've posted and compile links and things you can read and all that stuff. So be on the lookout (laughs) for that because Mm -hmm. our goal with this episode is to use our white voices, which are listened to because we're white to bring light to the atrocities that people of color, especially black people of color Mm -hmm. are facing in this country still to this day. And like she said, though, our platform may be small, small, we still have one to stand upon and Mm -hmm. it carries a little further, like Maddie said. So yeah, exactly. So, well, with that black lives matter, Mm -hmm. no justice, no peace. Mm Mm-hmm. Natalie probably doesn't agree with this, but 1312. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye.